Yeah, it's all about finding the balance between empathy for the feelings of others and assertiveness for your own opinions. So I always recommend that my clients and my loved ones, they put their own oxygen mask on first and put their own health and wellness first so they can show up the best for their loved ones. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the 52 Weeks of Me podcast. I'm Jacqueline Osborne. And I'm Erica Brooks. This podcast is a platform for men and women to share their challenges and lessons they face throughout their journey toward achieving greater life balance through the four pillars of health and, of course, prioritizing the number one asset, you. Amazing. Let's get started. Anna, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you. To help get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much, Jacqueline. It's great to be here. I'm a former co-founder and COO of an ed tech company. And now I'm a confidence coach for women in tech. I live in beautiful Vancouver, BC with my two little kids. About four years ago, my husband of 15 years left me for our 25-year-old nanny. I was completely shattered and hired a coach to help me pick up the pieces of my life. I began a journey of self-discovery and personal growth with the support of my coach. After exploring my core values and purpose in life, I made the tough decision to take an exit from the company I had built, to take some time off to heal and to pursue other opportunities. On an impulse, I got certified in emotional intelligence coaching and started my new career in coaching. In my role as COO and head of HR at Rycor, I noticed a huge gender gap in the industry. Despite our goal of employing a diverse and inclusive development team, female developers were still grossly underrepresented. In almost 11 years of rapid revenue growth, only 15% of the total number of software developers hired by my company were women. I was also the only woman on the executive team and found it challenging to speak up and to have a voice in that male-dominated environment. Being a strong introvert made this even worse. (laughs) I decided to focus my coaching on supporting women in tech navigate the male-dominated industry. In my coaching conversations, I kept hearing about lack of confidence as the number one reason holding women back from thriving in tech. I've always struggled with confidence as well. So now I'm a confidence coach for women in tech. Wow, so much to talk about. I resonate with so much of that and the male-dominated, the the lack of representation. Let's go back. We'll talk about where you are now in the coaching practice, but let's go back to your days at Rycor when you're sitting at that table, the little introvert and the lack of a voice. What was it like? Like, What was the straw that broke the camel's back that you actually were ready to say, I'm done with this and I'm ready to move on? It was always a challenge to speak up in that environment. And I had to really get outside my comfort zone to have that voice. And it was an ongoing struggle. But it really was time to move on. And coaching showed me there's another way to be in this world. And it was transformative. And I wanted to give that same transformation back to other people. And I discovered it at the lowest point of my life. And I always say that coaching saved my life, both personally and professionally. So it was more about being excited for my new challenge and what was next and kind of learning all I could learn at Rycor. So while you had that 
opportunity to find coaching. There's still many, including myself, who still work back in big corporations, who yeah. still work in male-dominated industries. So again, before we shift forward, after having done it so long, what advice do you have for the women sitting at the table or were sitting at the seat outside of the table because they haven't even had the confidence to put the chair up to the table. What advice do you have to one, identify that it's happening to them? Some don't even know they don't know. And two, once they have awareness, what action can they take to really create that voice for them? Yeah, it's all about finding the balance between empathy for the feelings of others and assertiveness for your own opinions. So finding that balance that feels authentic to you and practicing being assertive, going into each meeting with a specific goal in mind. Like, I want to speak up one time. I want to speak up three times. And as you see yourself being assertive and speaking up and it going well, you learn from it and you can keep going. And even if it doesn't go well, treat yourself with compassion. And that gives you the resilience to keep going, pick yourself up and take that next assertive conversation to the next level. Now let's go back to you. You also said something in addition to finding coaching, in addition to walking away from a, of a great job that your husband had left you to your, I think it was 25 year old nanny. Yeah. That moment, how did you get the grit? How did you get the courage to keep going? Very good question. It was the lowest point in my life and it completely shattered me. But I've always been determined and tenacious to keep going. And I had no choice. I had two little kids. I wanted a better life for them and for me. So I picked myself up and I just took it as a learning opportunity. How can I become a better version of me? How can I be like the phoenix rising from the ashes and learn from this experience? And take it as an opportunity to grow and to become the best version of me for myself and my children. What a great mindset. I love it because so many people allow the worst to be to define them. But you've allowed the worst to pick you up to be even better. And that's so powerful. So fast forward, you definitely want to I can see the passion about the coaching. So let's let's talk about it. So you started Anna Grady coaching. Why confidence? I was painfully shy as a child, and I've always struggled with confidence. But by using the tools I've learned through my different coaching certifications, I've learned to rebuild my confidence. Confidence is a skill you can build at any age and after any setback in your life. Research shows that confidence is your willingness to try. I love this definition so much. It really resonates with me. It's about trying new things and getting outside your comfort zone, even if you're scared. And by trying new things, you build competence in a new skill. The first time you try, you will fail, but you learn by failing. And you try again and you get a little bit better next time. And just to keep trying, to keep getting out there. So it was my own struggle that I was able to get past. And I wanted other women to get past it as well. That's a really interesting way of looking at confidence. Like in my head, you're thinking it's a mindset or I'm just going to be confident. I'm just going to turn it on, right? 
Yeah. But that's silly. I love the connection to confidence and competence because then you actually acknowledge that you can build it. It's okay to start somewhere. It's okay to fail. I really like that progression. So how do we give someone the the elbow, if you like, to keep going? So once they're not co- like competent right away, how do we encourage them to keep trying to keep failing? It's through self-compassion and how you talk to yourself. If you treat yourself with love and kindness when you mess up and fail, that gives you the resilience to keep going. And it starts with a little action, this trying something new, speaking up trying something new, leaning in. And by taking that little action, that's how you build confidence, a muscle of confidence by trying. I love the use of muscle and, and mainly because, because potentially my husband's a personal trainer. So I'm always thinking about building muscles. I, I assume you're referring to that way is because muscles you can build and grow. So yeah. I suspect the answer to this question is an easy one, but is confidence something you're born with or something you can develop? I believe that everybody is born with confidence. We are willing to try new things like walking, for example. How many times as a toddler do we fall down and we learn to walk? But we get back up and we try it again. And then as we grow up, we have like these negative kind of saboteur voices that kind of come in and cloud that confidence and it gets in the way of our true nature. But as children, I say we're all confident. The other thing I that I kind of heard, or I think I heard when I was when I was listening to you talk is this concept of negative self talk, right? That self compassion comes from the negative self talk we we talk to ourselves about. Pretty sure we all know what that sounds like. I'm Debbie Downer, one of my guests called it the itty bitty shitty committee, another of my guests names it right, we all have it to some degree. Let's focus on tips and tricks to shift the voice from negative to positive. I love this question so much. It's been my lifelong journey. And it starts by simply noticing that inner critic voice when it rears its ugly head. According to the science of positive intelligence, your inner critic is your judge saboteur. And that judge judges yourself, others, and circumstances as good or bad. Simply notice when the judge rears its ugly head to weaken its power over your life. Then the next step is giving your judge a persona or name like the itty-bitty shitty committee. That helps you weaken it even more. It distances you from it. It makes it not you, but this other part. I think of my judge as a dominatrix, sitting on my shoulder, whipping me, saying things like, you sound stupid, or you will fail. So think of some way that you can personify that judgy voice. And you can weaken this voice even further by mindfulness practices. Focusing on physical sensations in the present moment, getting out of those negative thoughts and into your body using any of your senses. A big part of the work I do is completely changing the way you talk to yourself in just six weeks by doing my positive intelligence boot camp. It's science-based. It comes with an app and teaches you how to stop your negative self-talk by incorporating mindful moments into your day. Mindful moments. Gotta gotta ask, what is an example of a mindful moment? Do share. Yes, I would love to. So an example is your breath. Just sitting there in your chair, taking some deep breaths, noticing the rise and fall of your chest and stomach, noticing the temperature of the air in and out of your nostrils. 
It can be done with your sense of touch, just rubbing two fingertips together so you can feel what it feels like on your fingertip ridges or wiggling your toes, noticing all 10 of your toes. You can do them with your sense of hearing, just focusing on the farthest sounds away that you hear and then focusing on the closest sounds that you hear. You can do it visually by staring at something in your physical environment with such attention, noticing every detail and pushing all thoughts away. So whenever you hear that judgy voice, focus on mindful moments to kind of get out of that. And that allows you to access your intuition and get out of the negativity. I hadn't really ever made the connection between the negative self-talk and what, what others refer to as that subconscious brain, because it's just kind of happening and you're allowing it to take over and then switching back to your conscious brain where then you can be in the driver's seat. And I love that because something so simple as the breath, it really takes your mind out of that. Do you think there is some degree of that? What do we, we talk about it? The unconscious where you make the wrong turn because you're going somewhere else. Like how often do we get into that state? And do you see the correlation to it? Yeah, we're on autopilot when we're driving. Autopilot. That was the word. Yeah. And we're not focused on the present moment. And it's all about being present in your life and being able to have that focus and make the, the better decisions for you and have that control and not let your brain rule your life in a negative way because you have the control. Very powerful. Another thing I wanted to jump into is here you are, you've started a new business, you're recovering, I don't even know if that's the right word, you're recovering from the news of, of your husband leaving, and you're a mom, you've got two kids, right? How did you balance it all? I suspect boundaries are part of it. And I was hoping we can talk a little bit about boundaries, what are they and and how they help to maintain some sense of order. Yes, I love this topic. So there's lots of different types of boundaries. There's physical boundaries that's to do with your personal space, your touch preferences. There's emotional boundaries, recognizing and honoring your emotions and respecting the feelings of others. Material that's related to your personal possessions and resources. Time, that's a big one. Managing your schedule and putting aside time for self-care, work, relationships and leisure activities in light of your limitations. There's intellectual boundaries, respecting individual thoughts, ideas, and opinions. This is another big one, energy, preserving and managing your emotional and physical energy. Yeah, it can be really hard to set boundaries. It's our natural intention to please other people and to put our own needs last, but you don't show up the best for your loved ones when you do it that way. So I always recommend that my clients and my loved ones, they put their own oxygen mask on first and put their own health and wellness first so they can show up the best for their loved ones. And since your tips for negative internal dialogue was so great, let's hear it. How do they do that? What are some ways that your clients or yourself have found that setting boundaries, you know, works the best? Yeah, well, it's having those tough conversations with people in your life to set the boundary and talking about it in, in factual terms. And then the impact on you, like this behavior made me feel this way. Or the story I'm telling myself is that you don't respect my time when you leave your dishes on the counter, kind of things like that. And then you have an open mind and, and listen for, for the feedback and be consistent with the boundary and don't let people walk all over you. 
So this might be a silly question because I suspect we all will we'll agree on the answer, but do all boundaries look the same? What are the signs of a good boundary? Yeah, well, it's all about looking after yourself and saying yes to what you can do and no to what you can't do. And it's so. I love that no is a full sentence. Yeah, 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 exactly. No. Period. <laughs> Many women don't do that, though. You know, it's we, and it goes back to what you said earlier. It's like we're afraid of pleasing people, so we want to no but or no, I can't do it. It's like we find that we need to add more to it. How do we encourage people to just say no? It starts with self awareness and understanding that people pleasing means we have high empathy and empathy is a superpower and is the key to leadership. But taken too far, you neglect yourself and struggle to stand up for yourself at work and at home, which can really hurt your confidence. So it starts with that self-awareness piece and then practice setting these boundaries, practicing saying no. And I find when we set a boundary, there's a lot of anxiety that goes into it and it's scary. But it often brings us closer to the person that we set the boundary with in the first place when we have the courage to have that tough conversation. And looking back, and I I don't know the amount of time from when you first realized that your husband was leaving you for the nanny to where you are now. I mean, you went through a lot. You called it that, that journey. I'm curious, how do you see yourself now to the person you were then? I feel like I'm a completely different person. I feel like I needed to go through something hard to make some tough changes in my life. My inner critic voice was pervasive my entire life. And I've only just in the last couple of years learned how to quiet that voice and replace it with more of a cheerleader voice who supports me instead of sabotages me. I feel like I'm a better person. I'm a better mother. I'm a better friend. I'm a better partner. It's been a really good thing for me. And the greatest adversity does bring the deepest wisdom. That's the whole root of resiliency, right? And resiliency is such such a powerful word. We've had guests on that just talk about resiliency. But using your example, I'm curious, how do you find that that, you know, five steps back, 10 steps forward has has helped? And how would you encourage others to look at what they see as their worst day of their life as potentially an opportunity to be better? Well, it's the idea that there's a gift in every negative circumstance or setback in your life. Sometimes it takes a while to find the gift. Sometimes it reveals itself years after the fact, like with my divorce. But there's always some sort of silver lining, some learning, some growth, some deeper understanding, some wisdom that you get from these hard things that we all go through. Yeah, it's a beautiful way of looking at it. And and I know people who still are in the downs of downs, and that might seem impossible today or even tomorrow. But I like how you refer to that, you know, that gift will come and just having the faith. It's almost like a higher power, that belief that it's out there. Yeah, definitely. So you have a free, I love the word free, uh, confidence booster guide. Can you give us the elevator pitch? What's the secret to building one's confidence? 
Yeah. So the secret to building your confidence, like I was saying before, is getting outside your comfort zone and trying new things. It's learning to fail fast, essentially. And that's how you build the competence to learn new skill. And even if you fail, you learn by failing. And it's treating yourself with compassion when you mess up. It's so easy to show others love and compassion. It's a lot harder to turn that same love and compassion inwards. But that gives you the resilience to keep going to build your confidence. And my guide is packed with science-based tips and tricks to build your confidence. I actually, I'm kind of smiling over here because I re- I just, just, I think it was the other day, I was in a work c- scenario where I used those words and, you know, it was, it was this concept that it's okay to make a mistake because mistake is where the learning comes from. But so many people, I think it's the perfectionist in, in all of us. So many people have that fear that mistakes are bad. Mistakes are not learning. You know, what do you see for, say for all those perfectionists out there to say, wait, trying new things is good. What's the mindset shift to get them at that place to, to try? Yeah, it starts with self-awareness and just being aware of these perfectionist tendencies. And they start in our childhood. Girls are socialized to be perfect and boys are socialized to be brave. So I think that kind of is the nutshell of why there is a gender confidence gap. So it starts with self-awareness and being kind and understanding to yourself. And then just taking a leap of faith and trying those new things and just doing it quickly without overthinking. I know we can spend days and weeks. Analysis paralysis. Yes. <laughs> but just taking action, whatever you need to do to get to that place where you can take those actions and be okay with any outcome. Yeah, you make it sound so easy, but the the reality is I know it's I know how hard it is to to get step, but this is where the the advice that one of my guests and it was like way in the beginning says things in motion stay in motion. So if you focus on yeah. that first step and don't focus on the competence as you said, just focus on the first step and don't set the expectations. Once you start, you'll keep going. Yeah. Exactly. And it can help to build an accountability structure, work with a coach, find an accountability buddy, break down this big project into smaller chunks and check in with someone, let them know when you've done step A, B or C, that can be really motivating to keep going as well. Yeah, I always like the idea of give yourself a reward as well. Don't just, we were so focused on, you know, the, the goal, <laughs> like the end, like crossing the finish line. But if we set these incremental steps and like reward yourself, it's like, I made it five days. I made it one day. It's like, you know, then we have something to look forward to. So maybe I'm just very re- reward driven. <laughs> I love that. I recommend a reward system with all of my clients and it's whatever reward motivates you the most and kind of understanding what that is and how you can put that structure into place. I unfortunately, I hate to do it, but we are just about out of time. So I'm going to start a wrap, but can't leave without our famous question. If you can recommend one book and or hopefully an end, one more piece of advice, what would it be? The book that has been most impactful for me is The Confidence Code. It's the science and art of self-assurance by Claire Shipman and Katie Kay. This book really breaks down the science of confidence and what you can do to build that confidence. And it's focused on women. 
Do you think there is a difference? I know I said last question, but I can't help myself. Do you think there is a difference between confidence in men and women? And does it come back to what you said earlier is that men or boys are raised to be brave and girls are raised to be perfect? Yeah. And it came out in this book based on the research. And there's three main reasons why. It's socialization in schools where girls are taught to be good in school and follow the rules and listen to their teachers. And they avoid taking risks and making mistakes, which is key to confidence building. Number two is overthinking, that tendency of women to ruminate and spend all night worrying about what we said or did during the day. The book even talks about a a different structure in the female brain that's more prone to rumination. And then you mentioned this, number three, pursuit of perfection. Studies show, I'm sure you've heard this, that women only apply to jobs if they meet 100% of their requirements, unlike their, their male counterparts. And we experience so much pressure to be perfect in every area of our lives. It starts when we're little kids. So those are the three main reasons. So we need to change that. I definitely need to read this book because I'm sitting here and <laughs> all of those things, I'm like, yes, yes, but I never thought of it as science. And you've said it a few times, science-based, but in my head, I'm thinking it is like Jacqueline-based. But now what I'm realizing is I'm not alone. So listeners, listen up. For those of you who are resonating with any of this, you are not alone. And with that, for those that have resonated, how can our listeners find you and learn more if they want to get access to your free materials or speak with you or all the goodies that you have to offer? Yeah, so I can be reached on my website, www.annagrady.com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. Feel free to sign up for my free confidence booster guide that we talked a little bit about. I also offer free one-on-one confidence booster sessions. We chat about your goals, anything that's getting in the way, and then assess you on seven areas scientifically linked to confidence. So feel free to sign up for one of those free sessions. Dare I ask what the seven areas are? (laughs) You will find out in our session. Ah, good answer. Good answer. Well, with that, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me, Jacqueline. It was an absolute pleasure to be here. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to us as much as we enjoy participating in the conversation. Now your homework is to be sure to like, subscribe, and let us know what you thought about today's discussion. And of course, find us online, 52weeksofme.net, with the number 5 and the number 2, and at Instagram at 52weeksofme, spelled out. Again, we love emails, so email us at 52weeksofme, spelled out, at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you all soon. Bye! Bye.